This episode is titled Top Indie Comics and Graphic Novels. It originally aired October 4th, 2020. Hi, and welcome to the Silverline Podcast, an audio version pulled from the video stream we do a couple of times a week. My name is Roland Mann, and I'm the head honcho at Silverline, where we have a great time making fun comics that we think you'll enjoy. Today's subject is indie comics, independent comic books. So we're going to talk about what independent comic books we like, uh, what qualifies as an independent comic book, and just kind of discuss that. So figured we'd just start straight up with the definition of an independent comic book because people have kind of a wide, varied definition of it. Um, Anybody want to chime in what your thoughts are on what defines an independent comic book versus a mainstream comic book? You know, it's funny. I uh, I th- I'll, I'll jump in because I, you know, working with other independent creators and stuff, uh, it's always weird. And people, when I read in these, like, you know, image, you know, biggest independent creator, and I'm like, <sighs> I don't know. And that straddles that line. It's like, yeah, but th- they got TV shows and stuff. So how independent are they? I I don't know. I would have to. It's a hard definition. I mean, we are independent, but we're also a company. A lot of people would clarify that if you're a company, you're not. You're independent is like one or two people doing it. So I don't well, know. Yeah, I'm still kind of confused with the definition in my head. I mean, I was, I was thinking about it, but I, I always figured anything that's not Marvel and DC, I just threw in the indie category. But yeah, I most think, people do. Yeah, yeah. I think if I think you're more indie if you're the creator owns the character as as, as opposed to the publisher. So I guess to Silverline is the publisher owns the characters. Yeah. Except, except in, uh, is it on all the character, every character? No, I think like Divinity so, is is Barb and yeah, you know, so, and so yeah, yeah. So I'm working on the publisher's own. project, yeah. so I'd, I'd say I you could say I'm not an indie mm-hmm. because yeah. it's publisher owned, whereas something else. I mean, Mike Magnola owns Hellboy, and he yeah. would be considered indie, even though yeah. Hellboy is incredibly popular. I would still consider him. Indie. It's under Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it but it's is. published by but Dark Horse doesn't own From the rights character. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that's where Image is still an indie yeah. company because they own their creation. Yeah. Where well, at kind of Marvel like, and DC, you don't own them. They own them. Yeah. yeah. Well, then there's the Vertigo line, right? Like Vertigo at one point, not now, but at one point, because I, mean, I don't see Funk now, but Vertigo had some type of ownership or some portion of ownership with the characters yes. yeah but that's kind of that gray area i kind of feel like um sometimes there's independent in terms of like the actual style or the version the type of story that's being told some people quantify as that and then there's also the business end you know um i, I think some people think if it's superhero it's not indie which i don't agree with you know yeah um what do you what do, what do you folks have a take on that do you, do you feel just I think most independent comic books tend not to be superhero because that's right. it's really it's a dominated market by by two big publishers, isn't it? But you, yeah, you can do. I mean, Invincible's technically a superhero. Yeah, comic. yeah, but he's independent. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I guess I guess where I saw it independent is more like small business versus corporations and like yeah. the regular society. So, so that, that's why, like, when it comes to, like image and Dark Horse. They're technically, I guess you would consider them independent, like indie, but they seem more like corporations. So I would be like, well, they're not small business, like, say, I am, who do my own comic. or So that's in my head. But in, in reality, it, it, I think I think John's 
Right. I think the idea, if you can own your character in some way, then that's more independent. Yeah. At least it feels that way. I was just going to say, oh. Image is, you know, it's Top Cow, it's McFarland, it's mm-hmm. Larson, yeah. you know, so it's all these different things, like whatever um, Kirkman likes to call his stuff, it's all separate entities that are under the Image umbrella. Yeah. Sure. Before we go on, I know we usually want to get started on this a little bit earlier, but let's let's have uh, Peter. You're going to show some of your art. You want to? Yes, yes. Sorry, up there? Let's, 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 let's do that. So the viewers have something to look at. Um, you I'm know, tired I of looking at my face, Peter. Let's look at your art. <laughs> <laughs> there you it's go. not much to look at at the moment, I'm afraid. So, huh? Come there on. You, go. you can see I lost all my buildings. So. <laughs> like the best. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was thinking about independent. It's kind of like you know way back in the day in, in the 90s there was like this whole thing with alternative music right and it was like yeah. kind of this hip thing to say well music you're like oh i don't like pop i like alternative music but when alternative music became mainstream then was it still alternative and i feel like independent kind of straddles that line right like when it's you know an image superhero comic book you kind of straddles that line at least in the court of public opinion as to whether it's independent or not you guys yeah you know, kind of kind of along those lines um i think it's more of yeah. just I think there's various definitions. I, I don't even know if there's even a hard. De- I'd be curious to know if you asked like image guys, would they they probably consider themselves independent? But a lot of the people from like Marvel and DC will jump, not jump ship, but will do stuff for image. So they'll be working for non-independent, doing independent stuff for image at the same time. They sometimes do that. Mostly writers mm-hmm. will write something for image, then rewrite writing. Yeah, other stuff. So, yeah, I guess you could dip your toes in either water. Do you folks have a preference? Some people feel that they more like independent books versus mainstream, or you folks feel you're kind of in between, or what's everybody's thoughts on that? I'm much more independent just because mm-hmm. I write and draw my own stuff. And I, I just like to, I feel like Marvel and stuff, like I can learn from them, but I always like to read stuff like from guys who are doing the things I'm doing to kind of see what they're doing and what they're up to. I feel mm-hmm. there's also much more energy in a lot of independent books and there are in Marvel and DC sometimes just because I mean they're doing it because they really want to not saying the guys that Marvel and DC are doing it because they really want to but sometimes it kind of does become more work for hire so I don't know I guess I feel that (laughs) well I would actually sit here and say um, there's not as much holding back an indie creator compared to somebody working for like Marvel and DC Uh, so you pretty much have open range with what you can do with characters. If you decided you just, you know what, we're just going to kill off one of the, one of the main ones. We're going to, we're going to take this down this road. We're going to ride it hard. You know, you can do that where you can't do that without yeah. getting 18 OKs by, you know, all these people in line over at Marvel. Yeah, that's true. Cause I actually did kill off some of my main characters and I, I seem to be, I don't know if I'm upsetting or will be upsetting some of my people who comments on webtoons and other stuff. Like he's coming back, right? And I'm just quiet. <laughs> what, do you, what can I say? Like, no, but I don't really want to ruin your day. We're like, no, he's not. I'm like, fine. I'm not reading your stuff. So I mean, I guess you'll find out when the story ends. So that's well, kind of I, I feel like it's like seeing film, right? You know, there's this, that kind of idea that independent film, you kind of can be more gritty you can kind of do your own thing mm-hmm. but as the budget increases right it becomes filmed by committee there's 
there's a really cool uh, documentary. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now about um, this director, Richard Stanley. He did uh, some horror movies in the early 90s, like Hardware and some other ones. And uh, he ended up putting together the movie, The Island of Dr. Moreau. And it's about how he started doing it. He got Marlon Brando and Dal Kilmer attached to it. And then he got booted out of his own film and it became its own thing dealing with company politics and how the movie changed, you know. That would be time. interesting. What, what is this called again? Uh, it's, it's, what is it called? Like, I think Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, okay. But, but it's interesting just to see how, you know, he starts out as this really kind of up-and-coming guy, but then he gets into the corporate system, and, you know, it's just hard to make it happen in yeah. that arena, you know? So, it, well... It, uh-huh. go, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, uh-huh. it's funny because that's where kind of like the... Uh, the money is more incorporation. You get more marketing and more push, but you do tend to, unfortunately, sometimes give up a little bit of that freedom that you had making it in the first place. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, does anybody kind of segue into like favorite books that are independent? Anybody have any specific independent comic books that they would recommend or inspiring or that they like? I have, um, Mostly the stuff I read is independent, but like, uh, you know, I was, I was a big fan, like, you know, Sin City, Hellboy. Um, I really liked the, uh, um, Mouse Guard. Okay. Well, Mouse Guard was cool. Yeah. I yeah. really enjoyed that. was really different. Yeah. That yeah. was really different. I really enjoyed Mouse Guard. Um, there was a series, they never finished it called The Red Star, which is really fantastic. What was that about? Um, the Red Star was, um, basically about an alternative Russia, like a war in Russia. But they would, would use like magic and technology. You can find it. They even made a video game off of that. It was kind of cool. It was like this really independent where they would do CJ and the artwork's fantastic. They were kind of coming up. And then apparently I heard there was like infighting. So the series gets to where it looks like then it goes to the final battle and then it just stopped. So I guess you can kind of infer what's going to happen. I mean, it's worth getting for what it was. Uh, but it was kind of a bummer that you just kind of like, you guys couldn't just hold on to the last second. Um, but yeah, it's called the Red Star. It's fantastic uh, read. It came out in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, and okay. I think IDW now uh, is publishing, re, re uh, printing some of their stuff. And of course, I keep hoping if they reprint, they'll just like, yes, we're going to finish it. But uh, no word yet. At least I haven't heard anything. So, awesome. yeah. Cool. How, how about you, Pete? Any any independent comic books that you um, like or you'd recommend? I think one of the f- first independent comics I probably read was Bone. Mm. Um, just because it looked really different. It looked like, you know, I really loved Calvin and Hobbes. And I thought, well, that looks sort of like Calvin and Hobbes because it's not that typical superhero animation um, yeah. illustration. So I thought, oh, I'll give that a read. I really loved that. And then, and more and more, I've just been, I, I still get my independent stuff from Image, really. When I yeah. order through previews, I go to Image and I get loads of stuff. Just see what creators, like what they're making. The guys who have been at Marvel DC now go on to do their own thing. Um, most recently, Once in Future um, by Dan Moore and Kieran Gillen. I don't know if you've read that. Mm-hmm. But that's based on the Arthurian um, myth, uh, like present day stuff. It's really, really cool. And Dan Moore is like, it's amazing. Um, what else? Uh, sea of Stars. Uh, that's a recent one. I'm trying to think more. Some older stuff. There's probably loads. Yeah, 
That's what I run yeah. into. I well, they come out. They come out like you know, like three, six issues, don't they? And then they're 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 gone because these guys yeah. can't yeah. do stuff. Um, well, I see somebody in the live stream just commented. Uh, Dustin Wallace. Dustin's asking. So you guys have all done some work in independent comics. It's not too yeah. far off topic. How did you guys kind of break into the independent comic industry? So, um, yeah, that's, that's a that's a perfectly germane. That's a Let's ask uh, Aaron. So, how was how did you break into the you know, comic scene? It's funny. I mean, I was you know I've been making my own comic books since oh god, high school ninety four. I mean, nothing that would like any of the big publishers would take. Um, but I think the internet is what allowed me yeah. to break in more. I think without the internet connectivity, you'd still, I would sell stuff at local conventions. Uh, but there's a huge independent scene in the internet and just going to conventions. Um, it's kind of funny. It's weird. I almost say like, I can say like, do you have to break in the independent? I almost say no. If you just, no, just if you're making like and putting it out there. Yeah. yeah. You just make it and put it out there. You're in. I mean, and obviously, you know, I don't know too many people who have like just a huge rush of, you know, money coming in, but just putting your stuff out there means basically throwing your hat in the ring mm. for the most part. Now, whether or not breaking into a company, I mean, I think we've talked this way about silver line and stuff, but yeah, just, just technically making your stuff and either like print on demand, like Kablam or something, going to conventions, putting it out there and trying to sell it and welcome to the club. Yeah. welcome to, to the you know the effort the the hustle to sell books and stuff yeah it's easy to break into independent comics because like we say you just make your own comic you're in yeah <laughs> welcome to the club. um in terms of getting picked up by uh an independent publisher um well, how about your story Pete? I mean, like you know like like specifically for you i mean you know you came from the Kubert school but, but yeah i went the more expensive did, route <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, what we were talking about earlier, actually, before we came on live stream, I, I needed that um, that regimented just stop doing everything else and just draw all day, and that's what the school school gave me. Just I didn't have to go to go to work part time or do anything else. I was just doing that full time, yeah. just drawing, and you learn so much so quickly doing that. Um, but you know that's you know just doing that doesn't get you into Marvel, DC, these big big guys. You it helps you reach new people just because you're doing so much work and you're putting so much stuff out there. Um, but it, there's there's yeah there's there's no ever a shortcut even getting into independent guys. If your stuff's any good, they'll take notice. Right. Uh, if you if if you don't make the effort and you don't try to improve. Um, you just figure, well, I'm going to go to the school. So when I get out, I, I'm a graduate of a, a prestigious comic book school. I'm, I'm going to get a job drawing comic books. It's uh, That's not the way it works. You've got to put the effort in. And the best thing to do is just make your own comics. Do webtoons. It's the easiest thing to do. Just you know, do it your own pace and, and just throw it up there for the world to see. And if it's, you know, people will see it. And people, more importantly, is independent publishers will see that you're making stuff, and you're committed to doing it. And um, yeah, and you, yeah, the good thing about school is you make those connections, not not just with publishers, but your fellow students. So I met Roland through a, a student who was a year above me, um, Alex Gallimore. 
So Alex introduced me to Roland and you know, I wouldn't have had that if I didn't didn't go to the school, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's almost the, the networking is almost when you're going yeah. through that journey of becoming a professional. You don't know yeah. where that next person is going to wind up. Case in point, Alex, no, that's it. You know, one of your one of your classmates yeah. might end up as an editor at a big publisher, and you're like, well, yeah, stay friendly with everyone, whether you like them or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least, never at least know. Up front, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, no, absolutely. It's funny. I would almost say me breaking in a little bit. I I do have I have two. I made two kids books, which are more like cartoon books. And those are published by Action Lab, which is an independent company. Yeah. Uh, so I, strangely enough, I guess maybe broke in more in the independence through kids books because they they're a comic book publisher that decided to publish my kids books. Go okay. figure. But one of the things they did ask, which I thought was really you know maybe a good thing to take away, is when I showed him my book, he asked, "Is this complete? Is this done?" And I said, "Yes." He's yeah. like, "Good." Yeah. That's a huge thing. If if you show them a few pages, because they'll be like, "Is he going to complete it?" So if you yeah. can show them completed work, they're more likely. Because that means like, well, then we're ready to go to print right now, and that's an incentive for them if they like what you what you're showing them. Yeah, I think even image absolutely image require um, you to. John, what about yourself? Um, what are your thoughts on um, how you broke into the independent comic book scene? Uh, one of our one of our viewers, uh, Dustin, asked us that. Um, well, I mean, I, I was one of those guys who, um, I have to say probably about what, six, seven, maybe eight years ago, mm-hmm. um, I decided that I was going to, after trying to do the whole f- typical, typical, you know, family thing and stuff like that, you know, I feel like, you know what, I haven't drawn in years, let me get back into drawing, and then I just, you know what, I'm going to try to make, I'm actually going to go after what I wanted to do when I was growing up, mm-hmm. which would be in comics. Mm-hmm. And so I actually met, uh, I finally went to my first con probably six, seven years ago. And that's when I met Dean Zachary and Mitch Faust and Jim Hall. Um, and they told me some things. You know, they kind of they looked over my work because I had obviously I had my my portfolio with me. Hey, look at my stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I want to get better. And the next con that came around, I showed them newer stuff, and they were like, "Oh, you, you actually listen." Oh crap. You know, I think about it now, and it's like I can I can remember Mitch Faust's face when he was like, "Oh, he listened." He was like, "Oh, he <laughs> listened," and then so he started going to some other stuff, and and same with Dean, and then eventually it just got around to where um, I did a couple things with Mitch. I did well, I did something with Mitch, and then uh, for an uh, anthology, just out of the blue. Um, after I what did, was, uh, what was the name of it? The anthology. What, what uh, it was not on one comics anthology, and uh, me and Mitch did a short story in there called "Back to Earth." Okay. Um, and then after that, I got I met Roland through Dean, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Dean goes, you know, hey Roland, you you need to take a look at his inks. You take a look at his inks. 
and then finally uh, rolling Neander on over and decided to take a gander. And, mm-hmm. and that was when I was actually sitting table in at a con. Um, of course, this is the course over a few years, you know. Um, and finally, uh, and that con was probably two, three years ago now. Uh, I think um, anthologies are a really good, good way to, to break into anything. Um, I've done two of those, just do 10 pages or five pages, whatever it might be. Um, but they usually get, you know, there's usually a, an independent publisher attached. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, after, uh, that Roland pretty much asked me right then and there, you know, hey, you want to ink this? I think it'd be fun. <laughs> but, you know, opportunities happen like that, right? I mean, it seems like it's a flat line and then just something jumps when there's an opportunity. Yeah. It seems yeah. to come up. You know, for, for me, the way I got into it is that, of course, most of you know, but if you haven't heard that, you know, I worked with Malibu Comics with Roland. But I got my break when I was like 15. And um, I just I just knew I wanted to get into comic books. Um, I had a tour of the comic book company, Malibu Comics. At the time, it was called Malibu Graphics. Mm-hmm. And um, talking to my, my stepdad, he said, hey, you should try and get uh, an internship there. You know, so I said, okay. And had my mom drop me off at the, at the place because I couldn't drive. And I tried to go in and meet Chris Ohm, who was the editor-in-chief. And, of course, um, the receptionist didn't take kindly to a <laughs> 15-year-old kid trying to storm the gates of a uh, comic book company. So after I was kicked out, I was uh, sitting in the parking lot and waiting for my mom to pick me up and saw the editor-in-chief's um, car pulled to the parking lot. And then just took off on foot, chased him down, and said, I wanted to work in comic books and I'd clean toilets. I literally said, I'll clean, I'll clean your toilets. I'll do anything to work in comic books. And he said, yeah, you're hired. And he walked right, right back in, passed the receptionist, and started work the next day, you know. and That's, then, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, you know. You know, And, and we, we know that we're all of a certain age or, you know, we all know you don't always get those opportunities, you know, so. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Especially when so many comic book companies now don't even, I mean, have studios. I mean, now it's mm-hmm. becoming rare and rare for companies that have studios mostly work remote like we do and mm-hmm. stuff. Um so there's not such thing as guys just cleaning their toilet uh, anymore, <laughs> unless you come to their house directly clean their yeah, toilet, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm here. I'm my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think the thing too is I think the thing that I, I'm finding more and more because we, we were talking before the show. Sometimes I feel we should air the stuff before the yeah. show and after the show to get some really good conversations, right? <laughs> um, but um, but I I I, uh, I think oh, and Dustin just that's pretty epic look and determination yeah tell me about yeah, it yeah 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 <laughs> um but i think i think it's also trying to find like-minded individuals trying to find a publishing company that is in the vein of what you want i think that's a huge yeah. thing it's like if you're a horror comic book artist you may not want to apply to you know something that's more of a kid-friendly one and sometimes it's also a matter of just finding a company or individuals that appreciate what you're doing um the cool thing nowadays is even if you can't find a place. You go to like 20 different places and they say, hey, you're not good enough or we don't like what you're doing. Like Pete said, okay, fine. I'll publish it myself or I'll put it online. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you can't find the people that are going to put it out there, you can do it yourself. I mean, that's what's so cool now. I mean, um, success varies, but, you know, it's democratizing that. Thing. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. You can put this stuff. But it, it's funny. It's, uh, again, I've talked about this with other, other people. I think even on here, it's a double edged sword. I mean, you you had Billy to put all your stuff on there, but so does everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it gets yeah, very exactly. crowded very fast. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, 
who did all these people come from? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, oh, you know, it's funny. There was one guy just cracked me up. You know, especially social media. This, this one guy added me. I forget. I won't say his name, but one guy added me, and he was he saw that I was working with Silverline, and he has his own comic book kind of thing he's doing. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, he's trying to get my attention. Well, that's cool, but he starts posting like I had my my wife and I had like our four year anniversary uh, pictures, you know, on Facebook. And here's this in our wedding, and the guy goes. The guy comments, congratulations. And then the next thing he says is he goes, independentcomicscene.com and puts his website. Like, yeah. in my, in my, it's like, yeah. So, so I couldn't resist. I replied, I said, thank you so much, silverlinecomics.com. You know, so, you know. <laughs> there's, there's a time and place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. 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 It's, it's funny because I have, you know, I post my stuff online. I have had some people on social media. You know, I'm willing to give advice or whatever, but I think some people think like, well, you're the successful comic book guy. And I'm like, no, I just made it and hit the upload button. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, too, I'm not like, see, so like, that's like, how do you, how do you make it? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me, I'm still figuring that. I mean, you know, as far as like, you know, making it big or whatever, I'll still work, you know, figuring that out. But uh, I know a lot of the younger people and I understand that. I mean, I give what advice I've learned and stuff um, mm-hmm. without trying to discourage them too much. <laughs> Yeah. I think I think I think the interesting thing about the whole independent scene is sometimes it can be misconstrued as okay, that's the minor leagues, right? Mm, but then yeah. you have somebody like like look at Frank Miller, you know? Mm-hmm. Dark Knight Returns, Daredevil, all this stuff. And then he hops back and you could say since City was for all intents and purposes, like you know, yeah, an independent yeah. comic book. You know, uh, Martha Martha Washington goes to war, independent comic book. So I think I think it's it's also a matter of what type of stories somebody's trying right. trying to tell, you know? And I, um, I think yeah. that's I think that's one thing, if anything, the independent market is helping comic books is they're really starting to develop a lot more genres. I mean, now yeah. when I go and look in the comic rack, it's not like DC, little independent. Now it's like DC mixed with tons of different titles. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's absolutely. And and, and then now with uh, you know, crowdfunding, which of course that's that's mm-hmm. our our bread and butter. You know, I mean, there's there's a cool opportunity not only for you to get the book out there, but to get it literally in somebody's hands. You know. Yeah. And more and more that looks like the way the market's the market's going, you know. So that's that's pretty cool, you know. Um you know, t- talking about Frank Miller, is is there any let this kind of be an interesting kind of category. What mainstream people have you read something that's independent that they've done or that kind of had an effect on you or, or anything of significance if anybody else? Um oh I like, you know, Sin City and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I read John Byrne's Next Men, the next one. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like X Men, and uh, that one's really. And he came back and finished it like after, God, I think he it was up to twelve years or something. IDW let him yeah. come. He actually finished the series. I was like, I didn't think it would ever be finished. I just wrote it <laughs> off, and then he's like, "We're finishing." And I'm like, "Seriously? Like now? Uh-huh. I got to go dig it back out, and reread yeah. it again because it's been a while." <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's definitely a few that I, I like uh, in the independent wise. I think I'm forgetting. Um, I thought George Perez did as something independent, but now I don't think he did. Yeah. So yeah, well, he, did, he, he did something for Malibu that was kind of out there. Uh, Malibu had this one called Bravura, and um, and and he had a book called I think it's like Sex and Violence. I think it was something like Sex oh, yeah. and Violence. Yeah, he did that, and there was also a, a book by uh, Howard Shaking that was kind of cool called Power and Glory. Yeah. Which was like this Cyrano de Bergerac uh, superhero comic book where. The superhero had no powers, and it was just this black ops guy doing all the work behind the scenes to make it look like he had the powers. <laughs> that's kind of cool. That's, that's cool. cool. 
Yeah, I think one of the, I don't even know if he works mainly. I think he's already said independent, but it's like Terry Moore. He did Strangers okay. in Paradise and all of his stuff. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. yeah. He's one of the rare that has made it as an independent, like Jeff Smith, and yes. kind of stayed yeah. independent. Um, but has been able to make a living off it, as far as I know. I mean, yeah. I think he just, um, but yeah, I like a lot of his his stuff, and I usually try to read. So, and it's funny, I like some of uh. His work, some of his stuff's hit or miss for me, but it is something I always always pick up something of his if I can. So, definitely. How how about you, Pete? Any any specific independent books that that stand out? Um, that, I mean, people that went back from mainstream kind of double back. And I, I literally Jonathan Hickman and Rick Remender they do a lot of independent stuff. Yeah, uh, East to West and uh, Black Science, uh, and as I say, I, I follow the creator so. I will literally pick up anything they put out because I, I love everything they do. Uh, and so even if it seems a bit weird to me, I was like, I, I don't know what's going on in this, but uh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll keep picking it up. Um, so, yeah. yeah for, for me, it was um, my favorite indies were like, I loved Love and Rockets by the Hernandez brothers. That, that, that oh, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, the, the, the storytelling was so different. The draftsmanship was just, absolutely insane i mean you know it's it, to me it was like looking at an old black and white film where you can almost get a sense of color from how they from the black and white from the contrast you know yeah. it's just such and it's still going to this day and and the, and the funny thing about it is like on one of my my many day jobs over the years i was working at a, at a courthouse and um there was this lady i worked with and she said oh you can draw i just sketching you know on break and i said oh yeah i can draw i work on some stuff with this this well her last name was hernandez turned out her brother's or Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez. Oh, wow. You know? And when I found that out, I was like almost embarrassed. Like, oh, God, why'd you look at my sketch? I mean, like, the Hernandez brothers yeah. were like, you know, like, you know, so it was pretty cool. And I asked her about it. She goes, oh, yeah, my mom used to buy them comics books. She's the one that got them into it. And they were always drawing. And, you know, so pretty. That's pretty cool. Did cool. you ever get to meet him or anything? No, no, but I, I might try and pull, pull some favors soon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like this, you never meet your heroes. For me, it's because if it's somebody I really like, I get nervous, you know? Um, yeah. I remember when, when the Japanese manga artist, uh, Rumiko Takahashi, came to San Diego Con back in the day. She did uh, Ranma Half and Lum and Oh, okay, stuff. yeah. Yeah, yeah. so she came to San Diego, and I was, I was with Roland at Comic Con uh, for Malibu Comics, and I went to her signing. And so I, I got her to draw a picture for me and all that. I was so nervous when I left. I walked into the partition wall, you know, like, like <laughs> literally walked into the wall and like, boom, like that. And, you know, she looked over and, you know, it's like, yeah, it didn't even go well. So, I mean, <laughs> we have two great comic book artists that I admire to the utmost. I don't know. Some, something lethal might happen to me. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've met a few. I'm trying to think if I've done anything. You know, I've had some weird, weird encounters. I remember I met Dan Burrington. He does nocturnals and he, he's more of a painter. He paints a lot of yeah. stuff. And That's I love great. his nocturnals, but I remember meeting him at one convention in San Diego, and he must have been having a bad day because he he was you know kind of a little off putting and rude. He was talking to somebody else the whole time. I'm like, okay. And then I met him again years later at another convention, and he was like super nice and like this either either it was a bad day or he just eventually you know became a nice guy over time. I don't know. It was weird, but it was like I met him twice and and totally totally two different experiences. Um, it is always kind of a, a danger meeting people you admire because if they come off rude or whatever. You're just like, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I've had that happen. So sometimes they're better yeah. off just in your head. 
you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I'm one of those people that can't separate. If I if I really like the art, but then mm-hmm. I find out something about the person that's completely abhorrent, I can't compartmentalize it. Now the art I can't do that either. Is, 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 is tainted for me. It, 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 you know, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah it's, it's hard. But, but there's some you expect. I mean, I, I know, like, I've heard enough stories about John Byrne. If I've ever met John Byrne, I would expect, like, okay, yeah, this guy's going to be grouchy. Um, I've heard many <laughs> stories. <laughs> you know, that that wouldn't well, surprise me. Well, I, I always feel, you know, um, like, you know, my martial arts background, so when all the martial arts masters meet each other, you know, we're all regular dudes. Most of us just have a regular day job and all this. But when we're in the tournament or stuff like that, we're all kind of amongst our people, right? So in a yeah. way, you're kind of seeing the real version of yourself. I feel like for a comic book professional, you're, they're in their environment at a comic book convention, you know? So it's kind of yeah. telling. It's not like they're out of their environment or you caught them at a grocery store and, you know, hey, you're, you're so-and-so. Um, I always find that interesting. That's where you'd like to think they'd be the most comfortable, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, uh, D- Dustin. Uh, hey, Dustin. Dustin commented. Uh, he, had a, he had a question. He says, hey, can you guys recall your mo- most memorable aha moment where everything clicked? Um, Dustin, do you, I'm not too sure if Dustin means um, like professionally or creatively. Um, I, I guess a little bit of both. Does anybody have anything like that? A, a moment where some serendipitous moment uh, where it all came it all came together. Professionally, working wise, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still I'm still hoping for that day where it all just clicks and it all becomes easy. But as you can see, what I'm doing now, it's so hard sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. And it doesn't. So I've been working on this page for three days, and um, it's even now I'm looking at. I think no, I don't think I like this. I think I'm going to scrap it. But we'll keep plugging away until I finally do give up. But yeah, it doesn't. There's no. Uh, I've not had an aha moment. This this is how it's all going to go. And I well, don't. You, you're a true artist, then. That yeah, I don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know many many people, many artists that. Uh, I've reached a point where it's like, oh, this is easy now. I can do it. Yeah. This is this all, all works. I understand the well, principles and the basics behind everything, but yeah, it sometimes it's just it's hard. Sometimes it's easy. Well, Dustin clarified. Yeah. Dustin said it's a little bit of both, a little bit of the creative, a little bit of like professionally what you've achieved. So, um, any other any other thoughts? Yeah, I usually. I mean, I think books? my book since it's it's so long, I. I, I have learned to let things go because if I didn't let some things go on pages, I'd still be an issue one. So yeah. there's a lot, you know, but again, if I was doing now, if I was doing a book for somebody else, um, I would be much more pressure to get it right. So I think, I think that's what like, cause Peter's doing it for other people. So I'd be like, well, I hope they like it, you know, much, but if mm-hmm. I'm doing it for me, I'm much more like, Ah, it communicates what I want to communicate. So, and the head may be a little off, the body may not be perfect. But I'm thinking, I mean, my book when it's done is going to be close to 300 pages. I'm like, if somebody's really like my friend said, it's like if somebody's really going to read that entire thing and point out that one panel, 300 pages, it'd be like, that's it. The entire comic is crap. Then you know, then I, I guess bravo for them. But you, you just he just kind of helped me go. It's like you know, no one's going to notice that. I'm like, yeah, I know. I just got to let it go. But yeah. uh, it's definitely hard because there's some pages where I'm like, man, I, I there's one page recently I did where I keep looking at one part of the panel. I'm like, ah, it's still bothering me, mm. but uh, I'm just going to move on. And eventually it'll become a distant memory and try to look at it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it's in, in professionally and creatively, I mean, like 
like right now I'm, I'm, I'm developing my, my comic book and so I'm doing a lot of concept art and there's a lot of balancing back and forth because okay, yeah. I'll design, I'm really about the design so I'll design one character and then I create another one. Okay, how are they going to interplay visually? Well, let me hop back and forth to push things. But I mean, I don't know how those aha moments, you know, um, it doesn't mean that I, I want to wallow in it and pat myself on the back. Yeah. But you, you get those little rewards, you know, where you go, okay, I, I think I'm getting this idea. Professionally, you know, of course, when I first got to start working at Malibu, but I remember the, one of the, professionally, one of the funnest times was um, when Marvel was looking, when Marvel had bought Malibu Comics, Stan Lee had a tour of the place. And um, the one thing, I'll, one thing I'll say about the Malibu Comics place is everybody was so cool and so supportive, especially for a young kid like I was back then. And so uh, Stanley was walking through the hallway with Scott Rosenberg, who is the, the president of the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scott saw me, he knew him like the resident comic book mascot kid. And he said, hey, Curtis, come over here and meet Stan, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm walking over and there's Stanley and, you know, like true to life, he's got those, you know, those crazy like Auburn kind of, you know, tinted, you know, Ray-Bans. Uh, yeah. And he said, he goes, Stan, this is Curtis. He's our editor assistant. And I got Stanley goes, hi, Curtis. And you hear Stan Lee say your name, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like every fiber of your being vibrant. Yeah. So it was amazing. And then the other one was, and this is just, I love Stanley to death, like a lot of people, but um, I got to meet him twice. The, the, the first time, even before that, was um, I was at San Diego Comic Con and Malibu was launching what's called the Ultraverse Line. So we had ash cans, you know, just like black and white yeah. complex that were handing out to people. And I'm this 15-year-old kid. Everybody's setting up the booth outside, inside. I was sent outside to hand out these books. And um, as I'm, hey, Katisi, Katisi says hi. And, um, <laughs> and as, I'm, as I'm standing out there, nobody will take these conflicts because Ultraverse is an unproven commodity. So I'm trying to hand them people walking by. All of a sudden, I see Stanley walking through the crowd. And he sees this, me, this gawky kid, struggling to hand out these free conflicts. He snaps his head, he stares at me, he walks straight through the crowd right at me, and he yells at me at the top of his lungs. He goes, what do you got there? I said, oh, it's an Ultraverse comic book, sir. He goes, give it to me. I want it. And he grabs the stack and then just storms off, right? Well, what does everybody do? Everybody starts walking up to me yeah. and taking the gun. I mean, what a class yeah. act, right? I mean, yeah. how could that not be? Attention. Yeah, how could that not be that moment? And I mean, talk about don't meet your heroes in, in, in person. I mean, that was like, he was my superhero that day, right? Yeah. I mean, wow, what a cool guy, you know? So yeah, that, was, that, that was is cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I just noticed while we were talking here, um, Roland chimed in, and he just wanted to let us know what some of his top picks are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he said, uh, yeah, his favorites um, are, for indie comics, are Bill, Willingham, Elemental, and, of course, mm. Jeff Smith's Bone. So I think yeah. that's, that's cool, you know, two different kind of titles. Um, you know, kind of getting back into, you know, we're going to continue talking about independent comics um does, do, you, do you folks feel that there's certain kind of touch upon certain stories or types of stories that can be telling that can be told in independent books that can't be told in mainstream and, and vice versa what are your thoughts uh, i think there used to be but i think now mm-hmm. we're starting to see a little more of that bleed over it used to be the big one with slice of life sort mm-hmm. of tales Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you've seen a lot of superhero. Those writers going to superhero and kind of mixing superhero adventure with more like that sort of slice slice of life, um, a little bit. Um, I think I'm going to say probably horror because I, I don't see the here. mainstream doing horror. But I think independence because the freedom can do straight up good horror comics. That's my take, at least. Yeah, they sort of shied away from horror, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. do. 
independence doing more and more right now. Um, I would agree. What about you, Pete? No, I don't know because uh, you know Marvel DC they've they've touched on all the those taboo subjects or once were yeah. taboo subjects and they sort of broke those. Um, I just don't see it. it doesn't tend to be the sort of stuff that superheroes get into anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I can kind of see it as 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 subject matter, but um, the vehicle is different, right? Like if Marvel were to do a story about something controversial, they would most likely put it in the context of the superhero genre because that's right. what they do, you know. But if you wanted to have that topic with you know John and Jane Doe in the suburbs, yeah, that probably would be um, more of an you know independent kind of kind of story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Um, let's see. Other other thoughts. Um, you know, um, what has there been any specific stories or books in independent in the independent you know genre that inspired you or had an effect on you? Something that you know you kind of stand out, not just as a series, but like a specific story or arc that really stood out to you folks as far as something that you know inspired you, affected you. I'm th- you know, it's funny. I um, affected my artwork i think uh, i was big in the joe mads battle chasers i think that kind of because i like fantasy my my stuff i think borderlines on fantasy not straight D D, but um uh, i wish it'd be more fantasy comics that it's you think like more of the people who play D D would be in the comics would be more fantasy comics but they're actually kind of hard to, to find at least on the western front mm. more european does a lot of uh fantasy uh comics and stuff um but I have to say Battle Chase as far as like art style and uh I refer to that a lot. Um But I, yeah, I kinda I have like a little stack. Ninja Turtles was a big one for me, the original Ninja Turtles. Sure. Because especially the original because it was the fact that you can kind of mix this high adventure, but then um like they were like this gritty they were like teenagers. I mean, so it wasn't like they were typically like good people. I mean the original turtles would like drink beer and wear Metallica shirts. They, they were teenagers of the 80s, so I'm like, oh, that, that was kind of different. Um, but very much more like in the vein of heavy metal and stuff, they would do some stuff like that. Um, I do know... It was so gritty. I mean, even the, the yeah. visual, it was so... For those that don't know, if you look at those original issues, it was so yeah. gritty and so stark. It just yeah. it was so different. It was great. Great stuff. Yeah. I think one that that stuck as stuck me maybe not to inspire me but just because it stuck out of me is very interesting was not i i I think it was called marzi m-a-r-z-m-a-r-z-i i I think that's what it was i'm gonna have to look this up again but it was this girl who lived in uh poland uh during the communist regime when the communist regime was falling she lived as a little girl in a communist nation and she wrote these like diary entries of her childhood living in this communist country and it, it was fascinating she did a good job writing it. i remember reading that book and and i thought the one thing i I took away from it, i was like well that's kind of cool actually writing the comic like diary entries or like individual like three or four page little strips that combined together form this book kind of dracula i think was written in journal entries um, the original yeah. Dracula, yeah, but sure. that kind of that kind of context, I thought was like, well, that's kind of an interesting approach to comics I've never seen before. So that kind of got me ideas. I like to play with formats, different ways of trying new ways of delivering content instead of just the main book or whatever. Totally. I mean, I mean, you know, I always think about you know, it's, it's kind of overly stated, but then of course, Mouse, right? Mouse, like it's yeah. independence. I mean, what a masterpiece, and and it feels so intimate the way it's drawn. 
you know, where it's not like very refined looking. It's almost like, a, it is almost like a journal way. The, the line weight's almost the same throughout, yeah. you know, it's a smaller format, you know, um, but so consistent all the way through, you know, I think that's, yeah. that's definitely a, a, a great spirit for me also, um, you know, Ninja Turtles, but also Ninja High School was one that, that I got a hold of. Oh yeah, yeah. And that, that was, was and it's funny, that's what got me into anime and manga of all things was this American, you know, Ninja uh, High School, yeah. Ninja High School was just insane. I was listening to a to a to a podcast recently, and they had Chris on the one that had the Maud one. He was saying of all the things that they did Maud, that was one of his favorite books. It was just so out there. It was, it was crazy, you know. I think, and I, I tended to enjoy more independence because they were out there, uh, like Ninja Turtles for existence. I mean, they they capture the, they get shot in the space, and they're fighting like dinosaur mm-hmm. space soldiers, uh, Triceratons, and and there was mm-hmm. uh, the one thing that me and uh, my friend Tom have talked about a lot about what, what was it about that comic that was so exciting. There was an air of that anything could happen in the comic, and uh, it, when anything happened, it didn't feel forced. But some people, like when they do comics, like, you know, we have pirates and ninjas and astronauts, and it feels very forced. But th- that comic never did. And we always trying to, like, so what was it about the energy they were bringing that made, like, well, yeah, you can in, you can introduce, like, like space triceraton dinosaurs. And it feels completely natural. It's like, how how are they doing that? And Independence, I think, captured that a little more. Superheroes, a little bit. But it seems like they always kind of seem more refined. I think there were certain eras of superheroes that felt that way, that anything could happen. Absolutely. Um, Cedric Boyd just chimed in. Cedric says, y'all are incredible artists. Looking forward to the new issue of Cat and Mouse and Trump number one. Thank you, yeah. Cedric. And it sounds Excellent. like you uh, supported us on Kickstarter. So thank you very much because the folks like yeah, you definitely. that were able to make these books. And, uh, and Pete's got just a phenomenal cover for uh, for the issue. Um, who, who is that, Pete? Was that Barb or? No, it's Tommy. It was, oh, Tommy. Was, was Tommy. that Tommy? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and, um, yeah, Roberta. Roberta colored it, yeah. Did a great yes. job on it. Yeah, so. yeah. The first time I saw it, the first thing I thought was like, this is like a classic, awesome console cover where it's not like a pinup. It's like you're seeing like this splash page of something happening in the issue and it draws you. Yeah. You guys did a great job. Which I, I, I sometimes easy, miss that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. So is, is there, here, here's like, you know, um, super fan book question. Is there an indie book that's no longer published that you folks would say, oh my gosh, I want that to come back with? You know, before we do that, we have a, a special guest coming in. She must have oh. heard talking to our name. We have our Colors Supreme, oh. Roberta Conroy, coming in. Hello. Welcome, Roberta. Hey, Roberta. Hello. Hello. We were just we were just talking about your ex, your your great work and uh, that cat oh, and mouse cover that you did. That was just thank stellar. you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's been so, so um, fun. I really. Yeah, and, grateful and happy to be part of cat and mouse now definitely definitely i, I kind yeah. of introduced yeah. why, would you mind introducing yourself giving the full oh. the full official introduction for yourself roberta yeah sure i'm roberta conroy i'm a former malibu artist um i've been a colorist um off and on for quite some time now um and i'm a recent addition to Silverline, and oh. um I've been coloring a black and white comic called Pendulum, which you'll see a little more of today. And um, now I will be coloring Cat and Mouse from here on Great, out. great. Oh, nice. I think, I think Pendulum's, I think, by John Drury. And it's this kind mm-hmm. of uh, kind of pulpy noir kind yeah. of superhero. Yeah. Really cool. Really, did you, did you want to... Did you want to do some work now on it, Roberta? Or I could. I was yeah, still moving my pallets around, so sure. Um, okay. 
Because we're yeah, all doing his buildings. Ready? I do yeah. have yeah. to figure out <laughs> Zoom a little more. Yeah, can, okay. can we stop watching Peter just draw straight yeah. lines? Yeah, you don't like <laughs> straight lines? What? I love straight lines. Uh, That's so satisfying. How do I stop sharing this now? Uh, let's see. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Colorful. Yeah. I like it. So, cool. joining midstream has a has a conversation going. We kind of were arguing, and you know, it just it had gone into complete pandemonium. Yeah. But your your soothing presence is that's oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Curtis is a, is a real, you know. You know, he, he, he's, he's driving that conversation. It's funny. Every time I say something, he keeps just telling me wrong. And <laughs> oh, my I, goodness. I, I'm officially drunk with power. Is what, is he is. He's officially oh. drunk with power being the moderator. <laughs> You're supposed to be the voice of reason. Uh, yeah. Don't ask, don't ask my wife about that. We'll see how that goes. Um, mm. All uh, right. Well, well we I got to get started coloring then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so, so I think what we were just we were just kind of going over talking about, of course, independent comic books, and we were saying what independent comic books, if there was one that's a defunct, you know, or no longer published, what would you like to see come back with, of course, the original team, you know? Yeah. No, no. I, and to me, it still would have to be that Red Star comic. Okay. I, I know it's, I, I, it's, I read that again, I love it, I still read it, it comes to the end, and it's just kind of this sad face. <laughs> you know, so I just kind of have to infer whether, where they're going to go to, um, but, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of the ones that I still like, it's like you, Jimbo, and they're still, like, a lot of the ones I like, they're still kind of going um, or have ended. Um, I would say maybe the original, you know, another Turtle Kick. Like, they're still doing the Ninja Turtles, but the original team, they come well, back. They're back, right? I heard, I heard that they're coming back, right? Eastman and Laird are teaming up again. Or something. Are yeah. they really? Yeah, I heard they are, yeah. Oh, I did not yeah. hear that. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so oh, maybe I do have. Yeah, okay. just last week, I think I think Aaron was saying, "Oh, you know, it's like it's like you know, a drug when you when you discover comic books, you're trying to get that first fix, right?" Yeah. Well, if you're ever gonna have that opportunity, like there's a this small might window, be it. Get, get ready, get, get your money ready, you know. Okay, good. Wow, that's yeah. kind of cool. I did not know that. Yeah, you know, strangely yeah. enough, I have no idea. I really liked Mouse Guard, and I don't mm-hmm. know if he's still doing stuff. He had this. Yeah. It's good, yeah. isn't it? He kind of faded, so I don't know if he's still doing stuff. That's one I would like to see come back on a more regular or just have something else come out from the original artist well, he did I saw it him in comic-con last time i went which was i think two years ago yeah okay i i, I chuckled there because dustin uh dustin wallace just chimed in you know i think he was talking about how we were talking about the street line straight line uh pete was drawing he just said straight lines so it sounds like he's a he's a big fan of straight lines uh, <laughs> d- d- dustin just to let you know all of our silver line comics have excellent straight lines i would like to say the, the best straight lines in the industry Bar none, so uh, please keep supporting us. Um, sure Computer straight lines the best. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you love straight lines after drawing it for three days. I don't like computer generated straight lines. I feel like if it doesn't have a little wobble in it, you just ignore it. Oh. Yeah, it can make it look very sterile sometimes. Um, yeah. So. Although I, I guess as, as, as somebody you know that you to paint the fact that there's a perspective ruler is like. A godsend, you know. Oh that? yeah, absolutely, yeah. I absolutely Sorry, adore that. <laughs> so nice. It's so nice not to put the pins on like the other sides of the graph. Yeah, and try to like figure out. <laughs> Most of the time, I just I just guess it, and 
we go from there. Like, you know, yeah. Hail Mary. Yeah, yeah. just, just <laughs> guess it for the most part. Something that looks, like that. That looks yeah. about right. Close enough. Yeah. 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 Um, See, you know, one independent book that I never read, I'm curious if you folks read it, but I've always kind of kicked myself in the rear for not doing this. I never read um, Stage Sim Service. And I know that's like one of the most prolific of all yeah. independent books of all time. Has anybody read that? I tried to read it and couldn't get into it. I tried. Yeah. Um, what was it? Cerebrus. Uh, Cerebus. Oh, so, oh Cerebus yeah, no, I never read it. No, sorry. Yeah. Know. That's I mean, a classic. There's so many volumes. I mean, it's crazy, like, right? Five. Yeah, it was like supposed to be like was a six bar he was supposed to be the entire lifespan of this aardvark character yeah. and uh yeah. no I, you know it's funny i haven't i've thought about going back and reading it uh maybe someday there's been a few series that i've gone back and even reread and be like no nah, it didn't really work for me the first time like like you know i think when i went into i want i was a big fan of conan and wanted more like a Conan or Barbarian. It starts out that way, but then very quickly goes into more politics and other stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm not really into that. Oh, disappointing. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I, think, I think one thing that you see more in independent books than anything else is the idea of a finite story, right? And yeah. Think, yes. You know, yeah. When we talk about our, our favorite superheroes and all that, that's a torch that gets handed off generation to generation to generation. And that's great. But like something like we're talking about Cerebus or other books, and, that, and even Japanese uh, manga has that idea of the lifespan, right? From yeah. the beginning of the story to the end. Um, I think that's, that's, that's unique, you know, fairly unique. I think it's, or I think that's been one of the big problems. I, I think it's always kind of been a, a problem a little bit in comics for a lot of the mainstream is because people like Woody, Woody jump on. I'm like, anytime, I guess. And then like, Woody jump out. I'm like, well, that's the question. It's not ever going to end. So you just kind of have to figure out either you get tired of it, you find something else or you just leave. Um, but, you know, it seems like since those characters go and go, that sometimes there could never be like that definitive sort of closure of that character. And I think independents do a good job of, of making those sort of ending. And I think there's, I think stories can be stronger when they're working towards an ending or a climax to be a finality. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just like, well, we can't do this to Superman or Batman because he's got to continue on. And so there are certain things that are like, you know, they kill Batman. Oh, he's not really dead because he, they have to continue to publish more <laughs> Batman books. So, I mean, you know. Well, then you have that the odd one where okay, this is the last Batman story, or this is the last. Let's jump all the way to the end, you know. That, yeah, and that that always comes off a little uh, insincere, you know, a little bit of a a sales force. You know what? One thing I'll, I'll say about just the comic book medium in general, but you kind of feel it even more in independence. This idea that you're it's almost like you're looking over the shoulder of the author, the penciler, yeah, speaker, everybody. You don't really get that at any other art form. I mean, if you if you if you read a novel. It's still typeset and done. It's still sterilized, yeah. removed from that original person in film. I mean, how many people between the director or the scriptwriter, right? Mm-hmm. But that, that, there's such an immediacy in, in this art form. I would say more than any other art form, um, that's one of the great things that we still have in comics is that you're really in there with the with the creators. That's yeah. Really cool. yeah, and it's really cool to see their interpretation. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of independents really do different things with art styles and stuff. Like one person did. I don't remember the comic, but it was almost like this impressionist painting type style that was very simplistic. Never seen anything like that. And uh, so you really get some interesting styles and stuff that bring that immediacy. Like this is like you feel like this guy's just playing around with an art form and you get to kind of read what the result of like this experiment or whatever he was doing, how it came out. Well, totally. You know, there's there's a, there's a mainstream comic book, but it felt independent. Did you folks ever read? The, I forget who worked. I think Louise Simonson may have written it. It was Meltdown. It was Havoc and Wolverine, but it was all watercolor. Oh yes, I ha- I think yeah. I still have those. And that it was, was really um, cool. 
that was it was Wolverine's hair was like just big and spiky, but I Droopy. remember it was, like, it was yeah, it was like havoc in him, but it was yeah. it was I, it was so different, and I always liked books that tried different art styles or tried experimentation. I think independence have the advantage of being able to experiment and get away with it. People embrace it. Well, like if you try experiments with mainstream, like nah, Batman doesn't look like that. I'm like okay, so nothing. Well, Roberta, we, we, you know, earlier we were just talking in generally about our favorite independent books. Is there any, do you have any top favorites in your, like to showcase anything that? Just starting with this one I got a few years back called Mechanica. Mechanica? Have you heard of that? I know a, a comic it's called Lady Mechanica. Mechanica. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. And the art is really dramatic. Really? And is it I, sci-fi or what? What is it? The, the genre. Oh, let me see if, I don't know. I could get it. Okay. No, it's just uh, um, you know, one of one of many people that you know when you're going around and you don't see, you know, you don't see enough of anybody's artwork. So someone will catch your eye in yeah. a convention, and you're just like, "Wow, I love this." You know, and that's how it works. That's how independence, to me, work. Yeah. It's just this totally. factor. That's yeah, what I love so much about conventions, Artist Alley. I spend all yes. the time looking at all the independent. I mean, I've seen the mainstream stuff, so I don't really go to a lot of vendors to get comics. I want to go see the people that I can't yeah. get their stuff in yeah. stores because they're only yeah. there. I love doing that stuff. Well, and also, like, you know, nowadays, the, the buzzword, right, in the art industry is, like, representation and, you know, diversity and all that. Yeah. But um, it's uh, often it feels half removed. Just, you know, it's, it's this person, it's a story about this ethnic group, but it's told from this people, these creators from this other group. And I think, again, the immediacy, right? I know there's there's an artist named uh, Jean, uh, Jean Yun-Lang. Um, he did, um, he's a Chinese-American. He did a book called... Um, ABC, which means American-born Chinese, right? Okay. So it, 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 it's cool. really immediate because you're seeing his story from his his cultural background, told by him, literally drawn by him, right? So you can't get more, you know, direct from that. You know, I, I think yeah. you were talking about the Hernandez brothers are the same thing. I mean, yeah. you really feel like like you're in there, you know? Um, yeah, I, I just think uh, yeah, independents are great because there's so much opportunity for people to tell different stories, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. We have a freedom, don't you? There's a freedom with, with independent comic books. You're not tied to continuity and this character can't do this and this character yeah. can't kill this person. And yeah. You just, uh, it's a freedom. Even the format, right? I mean, like the, the shape of the page could be different. It could be a small square book. Or, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw one book. Um, it was it was all one panel. I mean, it was like a letterbox. I think it was a Travis Terrestrian, but it was like, it was like like a letterbox panel, and you just flip it. Each page is a different panel. Wow. It, was, it was, but it was really That's cool. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I like. Um, I, like I said, I, I experimented with uh, one of my books that was like kind of like in a children's book format, but each page was a picture, and there I wrote the dialogue more like a kind of, not like a rhyming, but like a stanza that had like a beat to it. And cool. uh, it straddled the line between, I guess, comic because that comic book art, my art's very comic bookish, but it kind of straddled the line in the format that was set it more like a kid's book. And mm-hmm. uh, but then again, it goes like, is that a comic book or is that a kid's book? I don't know. But I think independence, <laughs> you know, had the ability to experiment with that 
and I did show it to a few a few uh, professionals like Jim Valentino and stuff. And uh, Jim Valentino, he he was he was a really nice guy. He's like, you know, he's like, I, I I like this. He's like, if I saw this in the store, I'd buy it. He's like, but I wouldn't know how to sell this because it's so different. And I took that as a great compliment. Mm. Uh, the fact that he liked it, but he's like, I just don't know how to do it. Um, but yeah, I still like that. Some, like you said, Travis Trest did the one panel that every once in a while you see people who experiment with the idea of like pictures and words and see, can you do other things besides the basic comic layout? And yeah. I think some of that stuff's really interesting. Oh, absolutely. And of course, that's not going to get the, the mainstream. I mean, it's, it's amazing what people do with the art form. Yeah. And it's just interesting when, when, when the horizons open up a little differently. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, so, so we were saying Turtles would be one book that is no longer with the yeah. original team. It would be a, kind of like a dream book that's kind of resurrected. Um, any others? Anybody else have any? Yeah, I'm just yeah. checking on the title. I think it's called Arrowsmith. Aerosmith oh, yeah. is great. I actually um, have that graphic novel over there. Yeah, based in um, was it World War Two? Yeah, so and they had like magic. Magic, yeah. yeah. And it was Kurt Kurt Busiek, wasn't it? Busiek that had, and Carlos. Yeah. I can't pronounce Carlos Pacheco. Pacella or Pacella? Yeah. I picked that book up and I thought it was the best thing in the world. I thought, this is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I think we ran for like. Was it six issues or something like that? Yeah, it's like one. I've only found one graphic novel of it. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, oh, I, I want to read more of this because I think this is cool, yeah. and I would it's love Aerosmith. Yeah, Arrowsmith. It, it's it's yeah. worth checking out. Two yeah, words, and the arts, be, uh, the arts, beautiful, and uh, I think it's just one word. Okay. Yeah. Um, Check them out. But it's it's such a beautiful and cool book, and I was like, oh, I, I desperately wanted. And he's oh. and the artist. I, can't, I won't say his name so I, can't, I don't think I can get it right but after, after that anytime I saw him on a book I'd pick it up yeah. I, I love this guy's art I'm gonna, and uh, that's how it yeah, works he did it I first saw him in Avengers story called Avengers Forever that he did a really good job and then I started hunting his art down too and that's why yeah. I found Aerosmith and, uh, but yeah there's some uh, intro, I'm trying to think I know there's got to be more series that I have a lot of the times, independents do finish their series. Not all the time, but some. I guess Battle Chasers would be one I would love to come back. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Matt is in video games now. He brought mm-hmm. out a video game based on Battle Chasers. But I'd like to just, if anything, just have a complete story. Because, I mean, it literally is one of those, like, I have a hardcover that has, like, pages from, like, issue 10. Where it's just kind of like, you can see that what we're working on, but you'll never know what it's about. Cause it's no <laughs> okay, whatever. Well, so, it's yeah. funny. It's funny because I had I, I always feel like, and all of you know this as creators, right? It's like yeah. let's give a hundred percent of to get something done. Okay, sometimes that first eighty percent flies through, but that last twenty yeah. percent feels like another eighty percent. Sometimes just just <laughs> finishing it off, right? It's just like this. It's like this insurmountable thing that happens at the end because yeah. life, who knows what else, right? Um, Dustin Wallace chimed in. I think he was talking about Aerosmith. He think we kind of covered it, but maybe you can give a little bit more insight. He wants to know what is it about. So you said it was World War Here. II. One second. Uh, I'm gonna have to Google it because I can't remember. Um, okay. Aerosmith, Aerosmith comics. All right. Okay. So forgive me because I'm just re- reading Wikipedia because I'll okay. just get it wrong otherwise. Uh, well, actually, oh, go ahead. Keep talking. This is yeah. it. Act have it with me. Nice. Oh, do you? Well, yeah. do that. Yeah. 
That's so good. the add-on of pulling it back. Oh, that looks and really so, good. Yeah, the artwork inside is fantastic. But he's like, yeah, I think it's he's a World War II vet or in a war, mm. and then it's like magic and dragons. Keep going. I just want I had that. I'm like, well, I can show. Yeah, what, no, you know, get it. it get it. Um, where was I? Going back to Google. One Google. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, history. Um, Earth, in which the United States of America is actually the United States of Colombia. Magic is real, and the first world, first world war. It's fought with and by dragons, spells, vampires, and all other kinds of magic yeah. weapons and beings. Oh. Uh, the story follows protagonist Fletcher Arrowsmith as he joins the war effort on the side of the Allies, gets taught in sorcery and engages in some brutal battles with the enemy. Yeah. Loved it. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Dustin says that's a cool cover. Yeah, that is. That sounds awesome. It, it reminds me there was this one book that I think it was Vertigo published for a little while, but it was called Mobfire. I forget who the creators are. Huh, Mobfire. It was the mafia with magicians. So it was like all these Italian mafiosos. That's cool. But then the, their enforcers were all magicians. And it was just like really intense and dark. And, you know, every now and then you get a really cool, just, it's like a pitch meeting, right? Just that idea is cool. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, there was, um, there were, you know, I have to say, I probably, you know, speaking, I keep going back to that. There'd be one uh, comic, well, it's been a while since I've read it, but there's one called Leave It to Chance that these guys did. And it was it was almost kind of like a magic, like monsters and magic, but a little bit of like uh, this girl who's a detective, so almost like Tintin. Makes okay. it like it. it was, and it was about three was hardcover books. What was that the one that Paul Smith drew? It might, you know, I have my bookshelf right now. It's been a while, but I, I remember like really liking them and really well done. And now I can't remember if they ended the story. Each story was like an individual story, so I guess it's one of those ones that technically could end anytime it wants. Um, but uh, I really liked that series, and it was only like, three volumes, and it might have been him. Um, okay. I'm not yeah, sure. I love, love his art. It, you know, the other one that another indie one that I never got into. I think it, it also kind of fell in the line of service, which just like it just seems almost insurmountable to start with. Yeah. ElfQuest. I never read ElfQuest. I love that. Yeah, I loved it. Did you read the whole thing? No, it's too big. It's funny. I have the first four volumes, like the initial quest, which you get four volumes. They actually end the story enough there that the ending, you could just completely end it. And then they started making more. I just read the initial story. I know there's like um, there's like phone books of it. I haven't read it. I just stick to that original story and seem to be satisfied. Um, one, I guess maybe because I just don't really want to go, like, I'm, like, put that on my list of stuff to go buy. Um, but I remember, like, later on, they started, like, I've heard, like, it was kind of hit or miss. But that initial story seemed very complete, that when I came to the end. And I'm that way with series. I sometimes I'll read to a certain point and be like, oh, I like that ending. I'm done. And I did that for Strange. I've never actually finished the entire Strangers in Paradise. I was a big fan of them, but I came through a certain point in the comic where it felt like it was an ending, and then I, for some reason, just never continued to read it. I still need to go back and finish the series. I've never finished it. I don't know hmm. that way sometimes. But Elf Chris you know, had that. Yeah, you know, just kind of we we're talking, you know, of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out uh, several times, and they kind yeah. of bring it full circle. I kind of feel like that is the perfect example. If we're talking about let's define the difference between mainstream and independent. Look at the original Eastman and Laird, and that's yeah. an independent version of a conflict. And then look at what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles became, yes. and how, blo- how overly saturated and kind of bloated it became, and how ubiquitous it became in popular culture. That would be the mainstream version. You could almost carve a direct example between those two iterations of the same yeah. franchise, and you can kind of see where it goes. You know, uh, neither one is 
better than the other, but they are different. Yeah, they are definitely different. You can. De- I was actually one that I I never really liked the cartoon I, again because I was a fan of the comic and the cartoon was was like you know oh, I was I just I when I heard the cartoon I'm like wow they're gonna make a cartoon out of this bad hat and of course I came I was like wait the cartoon is that wait that's not the turtles I remember because they got the little L's and M's and they got the different colored masks <laughs> and so I mean over time I'm like okay that's you know I can separate them. I remember as a kid watching it and I came home came home was so excited to watch it then I was like wait that's not them that's <laughs> this is weird and so yeah wait, wait, so the, 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 the comics they didn't have blue and red and all, yellow and no all it was all red they were all red this oh, is why i actually oh, have I like it was yeah no that's not cool yeah because i actually have like um the original turtles like these action figures in my room with the original and i've had friends come in like you really like Raphael," and i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they were kind of they were kind of emaciated looking, and they had almost yeah. like a snout. You know, they were they yeah. were you know, yeah. It was like the the regular Teenage Ninja Turtles if they didn't eat pizza. That's what the the old ones look like. Yeah, it, it, it's it's you know I know it's in mainstream, but you know I'm just I was happy they put hard covers of the original comics out. IDW did mm-hmm. the reprints, and I was just like happy to get those again because my original graphic novels when I was a kid. It, they're like all beat up and stuff, so to get some nice new versions of the book was worth it. Yeah, I, I may have mentioned this before, but when I was a kid in, in Hawaii, um, Eastman and Laird came to sign to signing in the comic book shop in, in Hawaii. And um, I still remember Kevin Eastman had his sketchbook there. And people were signing stuff. And it was just early on when the popularity was starting up. And I remember yes. one guy went to Kevin Eastman and was like, hey, he was like, I'll give you 40 bucks for your sketchbook. And he's like, okay. And the guy literally just handed Eastman like 40 bucks. And he got this sketchbook of original sketches by Kevin Eastman. And just like, oh, that's the door with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, nice. you just go. Back at okay, that so, time, they were probably hurting for money. He's probably like, I yeah. can buy another <laughs> sketchbook. Take it. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> um. Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.